Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Social Hour is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is The Social Hour, Episode 9 with Sarah Lane and Amber MacArthur, recorded Monday, May 23rd, 2011. This episode of The Social Hour is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to squarespace.com slash social hour. And be sure to check out their annual plans for savings of up to 20% off. And by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. And by audible.com. To download a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash social hour. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Social Hour in Petaluma, California. I'm Sarah Lane. And in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I'm Amber MacArthur. Hey Amber, how are you? I'm very good. Uh, as we were just talking about, I just got uh, in from Chicago, yeah. one of my favorite cities. Have you spent time there before, Sarah? I love Chicago. And I, I haven't spent time in Chicago in years, really, because I, for, I don't know, I just had a bunch of reasons to go there. Now, I, it hasn't happened in a while, but... There was a time where I had been there a few times at various seasons throughout the year. So, I mean, I've seen it at its coldest. Mm. I've, I've been there in the summer where it's sweltering hot and humid and some really nice, you know, fall days. And it's like, I just love it. There's something about Chicago that's very unique to me and friendly and there's mm-hmm. just a lot going on and and it's it's like no other city, really. Yeah, it's really great. And I got to uh, meet Jason Freed from 37 Signals, which was a real treat for me. I followed him for uh, many years and we've interviewed him on the show before. And uh, he's just as nice in person as uh, he appears to be online and uh, a big fan of all the work that he's done and, you know, his books like Getting Real. And um, they just opened a beautiful office space in downtown Chicago. So had a great tour of that. And uh, it was fun just to, you know, finally meet someone just like I'll meet you, Sarah. I know when you come and when you when you're going to visit us in mid-June? Yes, mid-June. I actually just got my ticket. I can't remember off the top of my head when exactly I'm flying in, but I booked it. So I fly in into San Francisco in the morning and then I'm going to come out to see you guys. So uh, I'll, I'll give you notice this week and make sure that you're around. I mean, I'm excited to see Leo, but mostly excited to meet you and Eileen in person. <laughs> I know. It's so true. Um, we are, we are uh, very excited as well. It'll be fun. I hope it's it doesn't really- change our wonderful dynamic though, you know? Maybe we'll jinx ourselves. This, you can't. You can't ruin this. Sarah. Now we've met. This it's so solid. awkward. Yeah, exactly. oh, I've seen you. I've hugged you. But uh, I actually, the last time we talked about this, I was like, "Oh, we'll definitely be in the studio by the time you're here. We will definitely be able to take a tour of the studio. Whether we're shooting shows in the studio, I'm not sure. It's just a big undertaking. You know how construction yeah. gets. A lot of work, um, but uh, but in any case, you'll be you'll, you'll certainly be able to see it, and and there's been a lot of progress made. But as far as the social stuff, which is of course what we talk about on the social hour, some of the big news last week, Amber, it, it happened after our last show, so we didn't talk about it last Monday. 
Um, but I think it went down, gosh, was it Thursday where LinkedIn finally went public? I know it's amazing. And, uh, uh, obviously making headlines all over the place. I mean, LinkedIn for me is still one of those sites that I, I'm glad that I'm there, but I don't really use, do anything on it. However, I realized just from talking to people, how important it is to a lot of people as far as just networking. And if they lose a job, finding mm-hmm. a job and those type of things as well. Yeah. I, uh, it, we were talking about it on TNT last week and my point was, wow, I mean, but it wasn't just the fact that LinkedIn went public that was the big story. It was that it went public and its share price skyrocketed. And it was like, wow, they, you know, they started off offering shares at, you know, uh, $45 a, a share. And, it, you know, at, at one point it had peaked to over 100 Today I looked at, I just wanted to see how the share price was doing. It's like, it's definitely down. I think it's in the mm-hmm. 80s, at least last when I last checked, which is obviously understandable. You figure... Uh, when a when a service IPOs like something like LinkedIn, which has been around a long time, and, you know LinkedIn isn't brand new. They have an established base and everything, but for for the most part, people were kind of like, "Oh, this is going to be the new wave of um, tech IPOs," and we're definitely in a bubble now because looked at LinkedIn price, LinkedIn's price, and my whole thing was, I'm with you. It's like I go to LinkedIn not every day, not even once a week. Um, when I change jobs or if I have something that I feel like I should update on my resume, because that's really mm. kind of just where my online resume lives, I'll check in, just make sure everything's updated and, you know, just kind of look at my objective every once in a while, maybe reword some stuff. But I wonder how, I, I just, I, I'm wondering if people are actually going there every day and using it as their primary social network because they do allow you to update your status, you know, similar to Facebook and mm-hmm. and import tweets and things like that. Maybe yeah, it's just I think not I'll, us. Just- people I know, I think there's a lot of people who are just uh, not that they're anti-social networking, but maybe they aren't so into Facebook. They see it as a place that's kind of frivolous as far as how you spend time there. And for LinkedIn has just become this kind of safe networking tool. And it's a very conservative space in some ways. And they're very comfortable there because I do know a few people who avoid Twitter, Facebook, but they are on LinkedIn. So, you know, there are a lot of those people, I think, that they use it just for their professional lives. And it's kind of interesting. I just posted a question last week on Twitter in terms of how you separate your personal and professional life online. And a lot of people that had tweeted back to me had said, well, you know, basically I connect with my professional friends on LinkedIn and my personal friends on Facebook. And I think, Sarah, we live in kind of a different world where we share so much online that Mm -hmm. there's no real division. (laughs) Well, and also, I mean, professional and personal friends for me, I mean, there's a lot of overlap there. Me too. They're not two different worlds by far. I mean, there's some friends who I don't work with and we're in very different industries, but they're, they're really just on a personal level. But, um, yeah, that would, that would, it would be hard to fragment things for me that way. But Mm -hmm. I mean, LinkedIn is great. And, and, you know, we had, um, it was Randall Bennett who was a guest on, on on Tech News Today last week who said it's not really so much about whether or not LinkedIn is this kind of service that you're going back to every day. Um, they have a lot of registered users, but they're making money. I mean, they mm-hmm. you know they they sell uh, services. Um, a lot of businesses use those services to post job listings or to send. You know, they have like the in mail services where I can send you a message from within LinkedIn, and that stuff costs money. And it it doesn't really matter if every single person uses that feature. I mean, I don't, but 
they're doing well for themselves. They're I mean, doing they have well, a proven yeah. business model. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, are, are all the founders going to, you know, share all their stocks in 30 days when they can, or, or sell them rather. It's, it's hard to say. Um, it is interesting though. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the folks behind LinkedIn because obviously they had at least a really good initial public offering. And, um, it's funny. There are other sites. There's this Russian internet search company. It's called Yandex. I had not heard of it uh, before today, but it got a little bit of publicity, at least in the IPO sort of circle talk, because it's um, planning to IPO on May uh, 24th. So, gosh, that's tomorrow, isn't it? Um, and they've now, or uh, or they're, or they're going to tell people what they uh, what the price is going to IPO for on May 24th. Um, and they've already raised the price. You know, it was going to be 20 and now it's like, well, look at LinkedIn. Crazy. They did really well. And we have a proven business model too. Let's start at 25, you know, and then our value is that much higher. So it's kind of like you see, you know, you know, all these people are watching behind the scenes saying, well, what can LinkedIn get away with? Because if we're successful too, then that's a good model for us at least to use as, you know, a spring pad. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, just like you have in the notes here, that's where people are talking about, are we in a bubble again? I mean, this is especially true for some of the mobile companies out there who are getting a ton of money. You know, some, I ran into someone the other day who said, if you have a mobile app and like just a good idea, basically, it's it's fairly simple, at least in certain areas, to get a few million dollars to get it up and running. And, um, you know, while while saying that, we should also mention uh, our next news item in the headlines about Blippi's failure, because uh, Leo and I had uh, uh, one of the founders from Blippi on the show when they launched and uh, it looks from the uh, looks of their site in this article on TechCrunch that uh, RIP Blippi, they are no more. Yeah, this kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, speaking of personal and work friends that overlap, uh, my buddy Alexia, who, who writes over at TechCrunch, wrote this article. Speaking of personal and, uh, and, and work friends that overlap, my buddy Alexia, who works at TechCrunch, wrote this article and it came out of nowhere to me because uh, I... I had profiled Blippi as well, Amber. It was actually mm. when I was working at Current was when Blippi had launched and I think it was in private beta for a while and, and then it went public and and I had sort of put together a little video like, wow, social networking either has really jumped the shark or is just entering a whole new universe because the idea for anybody who's unfamiliar with Blippi is that it was a way to share purchase info with your social network of friends. Um, and what's, and so people of course were like, either that's crazy, you know, there's security issues and actually there were some security issues. Blippi had uh, inadvertently um, leaked out some credit card info of some folks, um, which was an isolated incident, but still it's the kind of thing that you definitely don't want happening um, if you're in the business of, of having people share monetary information. But my issue with it was always, you know, it's just not polite to talk about money. I, you know, or at least that's that's how it's not comfortable for me mm -hmm. to be like, "Hey, I just dropped a hundred dollars at this restaurant. Go and look at my Blippi profile, and you'll see what else I paid for at Walgreens and this and that." It's like it just didn't seem like information I was comfortable sharing. Not so much that other people didn't care, but it kind yeah. of sounds like the problem is is that not enough people cared because they just yeah. didn't, didn't have a very big user base. I agree. I mean, I think it's one of those things and I signed up for Blippi when it first came out as well. And it was really funny because uh, I had forgotten that I signed up and then every once in a while I would see someone commenting on something that I had purchased. And usually it was from like the iTunes music store where I bought a stupid song by a cheesy artist or something. And it was kind of humiliating that, you know, people 
I revealed my taste to other people. Um, nonetheless, the only thing that I'm confused about, so even though they're not doing, um, you know, the the service where you actually share what you've just bought, is it that they're doing the review site still? Because when you go to Blippi now, that it looks like it's still online, but they're just kind of focused on different um, products that you review. I don't know how much you know about this. It's sort of vague in the article itself. Yeah, the, I had to read the TechCrunch article a couple times just to figure out what was going on. That's how far off my radar Bloopy had been. I mean, this was the sort of service that it started out as let's share our transactions with each other, you know, and, and I could comment on that cheesy song that you bought, you know, that you that you yeah. shared through iTunes or whatever. And they, they pivoted, um, as many companies do, uh, to something somewhat different where it's more of a review site where you would um, link up your Netflix account, for example, to Blippi so that, you know, anytime I, I add something to my queue or I watch a movie on Netflix, um, that ends up getting shared on my profile. But also, you know, maybe I review a movie or I bought something on Etsy and I review, um, you know, an Etsy member, that sort of a thing, which is very different than what it originally started out as. It was more of just like, this is what I bought. It was focused on the money, not on mm-hmm. the content and the quality of it so much. I mean, unless that I wanted to share it. But I, I had no idea. Um, it sounds like the la- at that last check when they were asked, they had 100,000 users, which obviously is a lot of people, but for a mm-hmm. social networking service, that's not a big number of folks. I mean, Facebook's at 600 million, for example. So sure. not really that, that much going on. And, and it's, I, I, think, I think really it, it just didn't appeal to enough folks. I mean, how can you scale a company like this where a large number of people are like, I can't get past this whole money part of this. Mm. Why would I want to share my transactions with other people? Do, does anyone care? I mean, it sounds like no, not enough people did. Some people did. But also, I think it's just it was just one of those social networks that, mm. you know, what was the purpose of it really? You know, what do people get out of it besides maybe a little bit of like, oh, I can't believe I, I admitted that I bought that song. Like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it seems like they've totally shifted their focus. So it's, it's, it is now all about reviews. Um, and, uh, you know, just on their homepage right now, you can see that someone has reviewed, reviewed Pond's cold cream. And uh, I think there's some comments attached to it as well. Uh, so uh, just kind of shifted directions. And uh, who knows how long they'll last. I mean, there's so many different review sites out there. So um, I, I don't know what their plans are for this new direction. Although the only thing I will say when they were actually doing uh, the sharing of uh, financial information as far as your purchases, uh, it did shock a lot of people. It was, uh, you know, either you loved it or hated it. And I'm not sure this will evoke such a strong reaction from either side in terms of this direction that they're going. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it looks like more than anything, um, and I'm just trying to click around. I don't actually even want to sign in because I there's nothing that I've done on Blippi recently. I think I all I did was, the only thing I was comfortable sharing was... Um, was my iTunes account, which just shows mm-hmm. about 4 million iP- uh, iPad app purchases. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because yeah, obviously yeah. I do I that for too. work. So it's like, ah, I don't have a problem sharing that with you. But um, but yeah, I mean, the site is live. It's not completely shut mm-hmm. down. I mean, you're not getting a 404 error or anything when you're going. It just sounds like the team has moved on to other projects, greener pastures. Uh, I, th- I think a couple folks left and, and, and it's, there's a, there's a group of folks who are just working on other things. So it's kind of RIP blippy. Um, if for whatever reason, uh, your interest is peaked and you're not already a blippy member, you can, I guess, get on the train while it's still going. Um, but for the most part, I think, 
I think it's days are numbered. Maybe credit card transactions and um, dinner purchases and grocery um, dollar amounts just just aren't it's not, uh, it's not the social network um, recipe for good greatness. Exactly. I All right, just wanted to uh, remind everybody that we uh, shoot The Social Hour live on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. I got it right this time, Amber. But if for whatever reason you can't join us live, that's okay because you can see our show on demand whenever you like. Our website is twit.tv slash TSH. That's for The Social Hour. Um, and we're on episode nine now. Gosh, we're almost in the double digits. So Amazing. Things are Amazing. going well for us. But of course, you can watch all of the shows that got us to this point. Um, you can also subscribe to our shows if you you can't watch live or, or you prefer to watch it on your own time and and you're not going to remember to download the show every week that's totally fine you can subscribe to our audio or our video feeds as well um you can you can watch uh the show straight from our website if that's if that's your bag uh go through itunes or or uh you know rss feeds whatever whatever your 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 preferred way to view the show is or to listen to the show that's cool uh we're just glad to have you guys with us um, especially the live folks, because, you know, it's nice to have folks playing along on Mondays. By the Keeping way, Amber, um, based on our uh, punked episode from a couple weeks yes. ago, we did get a few emails from people saying, by the way, we know that that was somewhat weird and embarrassing for you guys. But as a live viewer who ended up seeing it, it was very funny. People seem to have kind of gotten a kick out of it. So I'm glad. Oh, it was so funny. And I'm for glad people to who are listening in now and you don't know what we're talking about. Basically, uh, Sarah and I had a guest on, uh, I don't know, it was our, our last show or a couple shows ago. And uh, we had called the guest. We thought he was the right person. Um, the uh, One of the founders of Visually uh, turned out we called some guy, random dude who uh, went through with the interview, pretended he was involved with Visually. He wasn't. So yes, we got punked in the social hour. And I believe that you can find that episode online and uh, view it for, at your own pleasure because I didn't have a chance to go back and look at it and it is pretty hilarious. So we've had lots of interesting things happening on the show, Sarah. It's, it's, it's never a dull moment. No, it certainly isn't. Um, and if for whatever reason you find that video online and, and maybe you, you'd like a cr- to create uh, a blog about uh, the experience of watching us get punked or, or, or blog about anything or maybe you want to just put together a website uh, highlighting some of the, the best uh-oh blooper moments in uh, in social media, internet, television, whatever. Um, you see what I'm getting at here. Or if you don't, it's because I want to talk about Squarespace. They're our first sponsor <laughs> on the show. And Squarespace is the best way to create a very high-quality website or blog. So even if it's a ha-ha blog, or even if it's just about embedding some silly video, it's still going to look really good because you're using Squarespace. Um, if you're not familiar with Squarespace, uh, they... They have a very easy to use UI. Um, so you can create a blog in minutes. Um, you can use a, a number of their templates that they already have set up, or you can go custom. If you look at the examples page, it really gives you a good sense of how much Squarespace blogs um, can vary. I mean, in look and feel, um, how they operate. Uh, people people use uh, Squarespace blogs for all sorts of stuff, you know, just to write, to write, and you know, sort of like a diary type thing. Totally rad show. They're a show on revision three. They use Squarespace to to um, to host all their videos and and blog posts in between shows and things like that. So it's a really good service for that sort of thing. I know Tom Merritt and Veronica Belmont use Squarespace for their Sword and Laser podcast, uh, which is kind of like a book club type of a thing. So Squarespace is great for all sorts of different different folks. People have a lot of um, a lot of really good um, 
good stuff to say about Squarespace, myself included. I use Squarespace. Um, I don't do a lot of regular blogging, but I, I definitely use Squarespace to to um, provide people with a really good jumping off point for many of the other social networks that I do use on a daily basis. And it's really easy to like embed uh, Twitter widgets and that sort of stuff, which of course is what I do so that when you go to my blog, even if I don't have time to sit there and write this whole long thing, I'm still updating or seeming like mm-hmm. I'm updating the content on a regular basis. Yeah. Squarespace. I think that's one of the best things about Squarespace is just like you mentioned the integration and it makes it so easy to add those widgets and incorporate other social sites. And um, I wanted to mention this uh, cool little service called the Hello Bar. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. But maybe no. we talked about it on the show, but it allows you to add this really slender bar on the top of your webpage. A lot of musicians are doing it. So just, you know, buy my latest album and it integrates really nicely with Squarespace. It makes it really easy. So when you choose a platform like Squarespace, then you have all of these other services that play really nicely with Squarespace. And I think that's, for me, that's what makes a tool like this so valuable is you don't have to go around messing with the code and and trying to figure it out on your own. Who wants to do that there? No, exactly. It's just like, life is hard enough. If you want to be creative and you're the sort of person who likes building things from scratch, Squarespace will be a great option for you. But if you're not, there's no reason to feel like, oh, you're taking on too much or setting up a blog is going to be this big hassle what's going to take all weekend. It's really, it's as easy as you want to make it uh, with Squarespace. And if you get into a jam where you just have a question about how things are working under the hood, they have great customer service. Um, I always talk about their customer service because I've had so many questions over the last couple of years that I've worked with them and they've always gotten back to me. They've been really helpful. Mm -hmm. The team is nice. Um, They're based out in New York. I mean, they're just a good group of folks. Um, And also they have great analytics too. So if, if if you're obsessed with who's coming to your blog and how did they find you and and maybe somebody tweeted a link to uh, one of your posts that you're really proud of and you just want to know that information. They have really good analytics. Um, so when you're in your account, you, you have all that sort of information on you know, how much traffic you're getting and where people are coming from. Again, Squarespace is uh, the website, squarespace.com. And actually, if you want to try it out, you can for 14 days, two weeks. See if it's the right thing for you. Check it out. Play around. Uh, create some templates. See how it's going. It's totally free. Doesn't cost a thing. You don't have to enter any credit card information. You can try it out for free. And um, the URL, so that they know that we sent you there, and to get twenty uh, percent off of their very reasonable plans, <laughs> if you decide to stay with Squarespace, is squarespace.com/slash/socialhour. So no the just slash social hour. All right, Amber. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> You're so energetic, Sarah. You talk about me having energy. You're pretty bubbly yourself, I have to say. No. Uh, or so, rambly, uh, depending on who you ask. But No, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so I wanted to mention this story. Uh, Toyota has teamed up with Salesforce.com to create a private social network for Toyota owners. So the idea behind this is that um, basically it's just a place where uh, you can go if you uh, own a Toyota car and you want to talk about conversations around the car or even to just, um, you can schedule a maintenance. And basically, it's just like a customer support kind of environment. And the reason I think this is so interesting is not necessarily because of the brands involved. But I just had this conversation with someone recently who was asking me if the future of social networks is closed social networks. You know, are Facebook and LinkedIn and all of those other social tools just too big? So people are going to really want to be attracted to these networks that are more specific to their kind of own personal needs. And this kind of falls into that category. So I don't know what your impression is, Sarah. You know, is there room for people to join these really kind of niche oriented social networks or do you think it's uh, 
not so rad. Well, you know, my my first impression was, who wants to join a social network about a Toyota? I mean, Toyota owners very often would have nothing in common with each other besides the fact that they both own Toyotas. But when you start getting into the whole idea that it would it would give you a way to um, have a more direct line into the dealership where you bought your Toyota if you have questions or or um, especially you know Prius owners tend to be like more of I guess like rabid Prius fans maybe than like Camry owners just because the Prius is still kind of a new hybrid technology mm-hmm. and it's very popular type of thing so I guess I can see where this could be helpful. Um, for some folks who are just, they're like passionate about their vehicle and they want to know, you know, the latest updates, uh, latest model information. And, you know, if things go wrong, they want to be able to get a hold of somebody. But it does seem really specific. But the, mm-hmm. the whole idea of the private social network, Amber, is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, apps like Path, for example, I mean, it's an iOS app that, that where you... Uh, it's a private network where you can only add 50 friends or you can only choose to share your information with 50 people. And you go like, well, what do you get out of that? Well, people that aren't, you know, doing podcasts all day long. I mean, you and I have, have gotten really used mm. to sharing and, you know, everything's very public. And some people aren't comfortable with that. Uh, some people, that's just not the way that they want to live their life. They're not interested in sharing. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's the same people who lock down their Twitter accounts. Every once mm-hmm. in a while, you know, I come across somebody with a lock and I go like, I know Gosh, you don't see that many of those anymore. But I mean, that's just the way it works for some people. They, they want to have control over who they're sharing information with. And I guess something like this Toyota project would be along those lines. It's, you know, it's very specific. I guess, you know, whoever you connected with on the network would be in the same boat and they really want to be there too. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, you can really serve that community. I I don't know. I kind of can see both sides of it. The one thing that I can say about why I think it would actually work is because I think so often with social networking, we're focused on these really big numbers, like Facebook has 600 million users and these massive communities. But, you know, size shouldn't necessarily matter. I mean, if you're a car company or any other brand and you bring the people in who love your brand and have already invested, like a car is a lot of money and you bring them all to one place and you give them some type of content and, um, and information and a network that's really valuable to them, I think it would uh, work. I know there's someone in the chat room who's mentioning that Mini's done this for a really long time. So Mm. it it seems like it's one of these things, Sarah, where if they do it right, it can work. If they think people are just going to come to hang out because they own the same type of cars, it's not going to work. So if they provide really great content and they really, you know, give people access to information that's going to help them with their cars and and make a really robust community that's focused on this type of content, then I think maybe it, it has a future. But they've got to be careful about how they kind of approach it. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, it would it would be probably a little silly for a Toyota to think, oh, we're you know millions of people or mm. anybody who owns a Toyota is just going to love this. I'm really really get excited about our, yeah. our Toyota. It's called Toyota Friend, by the way. <laughs> that's the name of the yes. network. I think it's more just in a way a, a way for them to to increase public relations, you know, and make it more modern. And, and, you know, we're always talking about companies being accessible online and, and strategies. And this is just another one of those. And let's not forget, you know, last thing I'll say in this, but let's not forget that if you're a brand coming into an environment like Facebook, unfortunately, you're playing, you know, you have Facebook's rules and regulations, which they change all the time. Facebook owns a lot of your content. Facebook manages that whole process. So you can imagine for a big brand, if you're building up a massive community, I mean, there may be some hesitation in the months or years to come to to give all of that over to a company where, not that you're saying you shouldn't trust Facebook, don't get me wrong. It's just that you don't really know, you know, the direction that they're going. You're not part of their team that's going to... 
the vision for the future. And because they do change their policies, I mean, even doing a, con- a contest on Facebook as a company is a really difficult thing because they change the rules so often. So it might be nice to control that experience possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of um, controlling the experience, uh, two companies that I use pretty regularly uh, apparently planning to partner up and those two companies are Foursquare and Groupon. Foursquare, of course, yeah. is the, the location-based check-in service where you check into your favorite restaurant or you check into the Twit Cottage and, and let your friends know where physically you are. And Groupon, uh, also based in Chicago, um, is uh, it's, a, it's sort of the online coupon service, which at least in the Chicago area, I know they recently... Not only can you go and, and participate in a daily deal based on where you live, uh, which is how Groupon's service is set up, but at least in Chicago, they're, they're now testing out, hey, I'm in this area. What are the Groupon deals around yeah. me? So it's not so really much, let's, let's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's going the other way, I guess, based on your location. Here's some of your choices rather than here's the daily deal. Does this apply to you? So it seems like this is a really good fit, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like a really great fit. Um, I just wrote something last week about why I don't use Foursquare. I'm not really an active user on Foursquare. You know, I location based services. I know they make me. I don't know. I guess because I travel alone a lot, I just don't want to check in all over the the map. But uh, nonetheless, I understand the value of them for for deals and discounts and everything. But when I saw this headline, and it's just a rumor right now, but uh, between Foursquare and Groupon, I thought, well, that actually makes sense. If I could, you know, because I love Groupon. I'm. I don't want to say I'm addicted, but I'm on my way, and uh, I think it's a really neat service. So if they had that integration between the two of them, maybe, you know, I'd be more inclined to participate, not necessarily to tell my friends where I am, but to participate so that I could take advantage of those great deals and, and you know, just even be able to hone that into my own neighborhood and those type of things. So this article here at All Things D um, that talks about this also mentioned that Groupon um, did already announce a deal to distribute this exact mm. information with Looped, which is yeah. um, which is another uh, check-in service. Um, a lot of people know about it, but it's smaller than Foursquare. Foursquare has about nine million users. Looped is around five, so it's smaller, um, but they do similar stuff. I like the idea. I mean, I use Foursquare all the time. There are many mm. check-in services, and I've just decided to be loyal to Foursquare. I mean, I used Gowala at first. Um, MG is always checking me in on Facebook places, but I never actually do that myself because I just, it's like, I'm only going to take the time to use one network and Foursquare is just the one that I've decided. I don't necessarily think it's better, Yeah. Um, but I use it all the time. And so, and I would like to know if, if I check in somewhere, I, I, as long as it wasn't overly invasive, have a little group on something that comes up and lets me know that there's a deal at the bakery, you know, half a block away type of a thing. I think I'd get some out of that. Yeah, I think it makes sense. You know, I was just talking to someone, uh, I think it was on Friday, who mentioned this new service to me and I cannot remember the name of it. And uh, I'm sorry, hopefully someone out there may know it and email us. But uh, it is a service that allows, it's kind of like a reverse Groupon. You know how Groupon comes up with the deals themselves that you can get? Instead of this, what it allows you to do is if you have a bunch of people in your own network, you can then go to a company and say, hey, I've got 80 people who are interested in getting 25% off at your restaurant. So you kind of propose you know, propose that deal to them and they offer it back to you. So it's like the users are taking control of the group buying experience by getting a bunch of their friends together. And I thought that's really cool. Like I could find in Toronto, you know, I could probably find 50 people who wanted a deal at a certain, you know, tapas restaurant that we yeah. we all love. And so if we could say to them, hey, you know, for every Friday for the next month, why don't you give us a deal? I have 50 people who are interested. And so it's just it's shifting the control of 
services like that. And I thought, that's kind of interesting. I'll try to find the name and mention it next week. I love the idea of that because, yeah, I'm with you. It's like, I mean, I probably couldn't get 50 people together just any night of the week. But if you were to set up something with a you know, pizza place where it's like, hey, we will take over this restaurant. I guarantee that you will sell however mm-hmm. many pizzas, you know, in these three hours of time and everybody gets five bucks off or something like that. Yeah, it would be great. You know, as long as it's reasonable, I can I can see especially smaller businesses, which I mean, Groupon, exactly. depending on the business, uh, some businesses have really good success with Groupon and others don't because they end up getting an influx of folks and who aren't paying as much yeah. for whatever. But some, um, you know, just to be able to be exposed to a new group of people who are going to come back for more business mm-hmm. if they like what you have to sell. Um, is why Groupon has been so successful. So successful. But if you think about it, like, you don't have to get, like, I don't really, I could never get 50 people together necessarily in Toronto either to go to the same place. But if you think about it, because of your own social network, you don't have to all take advantage of that at the same time. So it would be more of a situation, like if you went on Twitter right now, Sarah, and said, okay, are there 50 people in San Francisco who want to try to get 50% off this cool new spa? Probably through networks of networks. It's not like you're all going together, but you may be able to oh, get that deal. Oh, I got it. So sorry, I sorry if I, you kind of misunderstood, and that's probably the way I explained it. But it, you don't have to all go at the same time. You just like Groupon, you're all just taking advantage of that deal. You don't even have to really know the people. You just have to say, "Hey, come sign this. You know, come sign this yeah. form." And we'll all take advantage of it. And it's just, I think it's interesting. And That's um, a great idea. Yeah, because maybe a business is like, boy, I'd love to participate in this, but I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what our special would be. And, you know, they just... They, they just um, aren't inspired to come up with anything. But if as a customer, I was like, yeah. man, I sure would love it if I could could create this deal for myself. Yeah, and maybe exactly. however other pe- uh, many people would, would sign up for that as well. So it's like anybody can just come up with the deal. As long as yeah. you have enough people shaking on it, then you've got a deal. Yeah, because like sometimes I get Groupon deals where I think that's really lame. You know, I'm I'm really not into rock climbing or something like that, right? Or or skydiving, whatever it is. So days go by and the deals don't interest me. But mm-hmm. you know, you imagine that you know based on interests of people that you know in your social networks, if you could come up with, um, you know, make your own kind of deal and present it to them, it's it's kind of fun. So I'll 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 dig that up somehow if I can remember it by next week. Although that seems like a world away, um, I'll try to figure out uh, what that uh, service is called because it does exist. Amber, you all. Also, uh, yeah, it sounds really cool. We'll definitely have to, we, we should, we should, um, it'll be an experiment. Once we figure out uh, what the name of the service is, as long as it's open, maybe we can experiment on the show and like. Yeah, that would be really fun. We'll and try to get a deal it. and have everybody jump yeah. on board. And That's a really great idea. We should do lots, we should do more experiments we'll take like that. back the internet, yeah. Uh, speaking exactly. of, uh, speaking of the internet, you also had forwarded to me. Uh, kind of a fun, funny worded article. I know. Uh, it's 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 seven Twitter rules you must ignore, but then really it's just myths about Twitter that aren't true. Yeah, true. Um, yeah and I don't. I, I I was kind of attracted to the headline too, Sarah. So I'm glad that you felt the same way. It was one of the you know you're always re- reading about Twitter tips that you should follow, and this is kind of Twitter tips that you should ignore. I don't think there's anything here that is really uh, uh, too surprising, but I thought it would be a good. Um, article to send people who are new to Twitter because I can't tell you the number of conversations I have with people who say things like, oh, Twitter isn't really for business. And this is, you know, they say this is kind of myth number two, that people think that Twitter isn't for business or you can't do um, any type of customer support there. So it would be a good educational article. It's available on Tech Vibes. And I know we'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, So it's kind of just a handy and different way to look at some of the rules on Twitter. I think some of the stuff too is, even though, yeah, I mean, at least for us, and I, I know a lot of folks 
uh, who watch the social hour are like, duh, I mean, obviously sure. Twitter and Facebook aren't the same and, and Twitter can be very good for businesses. But again, for folks who are at least new to the service, we're still just kind of trying to figure out how it works for them. It's mm-hmm. good. It's, some of the stuff is just a good reminder of the fact that it doesn't have to be just about personal stuff. Um, I do get, I have a few of my friends, um, again, who are like more personal friends and don't really, aren't really in the same line of work as me who are on mm-hmm. Facebook, but they're not on Twitter. They haven't, they haven't decided that it's necessary. And they yeah. also do mention, and this is something that this article addresses also, is that the syntax is confusing. I yeah. think that... At first, I mean, you and I know it's like, hey, once you figure out the RT means retweet, a you know, pound sign in front of something is a hashtag, which is either a helpful hashtag or a funny hashtag, or you, you can, it's pretty easy to, you know, get into the swing of things and feel like you're in on the fun, but it can be, you know, it looks like just a bunch of gobbledygook to some folks who are, especially seeing my tweets that go over to Facebook and it's like, I'm referencing something and it just doesn't translate that well. So this is... It, you know, it's kind of um, it's kind of like giving folks a little bit more of a kick. Like Twitter can mm-hmm. be really helpful for you. Yeah, there are some myths that it's hard to compose something in 140 characters or less. But it's like it's really not that hard. You know, and link shortening yeah. services. It's like you you'd be surprised what you could say. Um, yeah, it's, I totally agree. And and one thing in this list I thought was really a valid point is that myth number six: the more the followers, the greater the returns. And I think you know, just like on uh, what we just talked about with uh, different social. Networks, networks, just because you have a lot of followers, it doesn't necessarily really translate in any, into anything. I mean, you could be a small business with a hundred followers, but if they all come in every day, then that's fantastic for your company, right? Yeah. So we sometimes get into this uh, position where we're always thinking, oh, it's all about followers, right? But um, for a lot of businesses, you don't, you don't have to have 500,000 followers. You can have a couple thousand and it's still pretty significant. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I've definitely found that for myself. Um, and I think I've mentioned on the show before, it's like, I can, especially if I use something like Bitly where I can see how many people clicked through on a link that I shared. I have many more followers than I had when I first signed up for Twitter. But, you know, I plateaued at the number of people who are going to click anything that I share a long time ago. I mean, mm-hmm. my Twitter followers keep kind of crawling up. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm, you know, having a exponential growth or anything. But it's like I can maybe get a thousand people at the most to click on something. I mean, out of like mm-hmm. almost 50,000. It's just the engagement is not um, representative of the follower number you have. And I think that yeah. applies to social networks in general. I mean, who knows who's following us? I mean, it's, it, it, you know, marketing people who are maybe just checking in every once in a while or there's some dummy accounts or, or just people who just aren't on Twitter engaged the way that uh, you and I are. So yeah, exactly. And I think it depends like, you know, sometimes I post something that I think is stupid and then all of a sudden people will get really involved in the conversation. <laughs> so I can't predict anything on Twitter. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think uh, some of my best success stories are really stupid videos that I, you know, just sent on a whim, you know, and I get a flood of responses like, ha ha, this is so funny. You really made my day kind of thing. And it's like, you know, didn't even try. So yeah, just I know. Just to funny. show you what uh, what people are into. Want to take another quick break to thank Netflix. You know Netflix. You love Netflix. But for any reason you're not using it, you need to start because they are the best way to watch movies at home, on the go, via your laptop or your iPad or your Wii or your Xbox 360 or your PS3. Works again on the PS3. Um, Netflix is awesome. We love them. Um, I was browsing the selection 
of new releases on Netflix, Amber. Stuff that I can uh, instantly stream, which is, um, yeah. by the way, anybody who's, who's re- really truly not familiar with Netflix, this is the service where you can get DVDs delivered to your mailbox or you can uh, instantly stream movies. There's a, uh, a movie that I saw a couple months ago. Let's see if I can find it here again. Yes, it's called All Good Things. Uh, I went and saw it in the theater and I did not like this movie. I thought it was terrible. However... Since then, you know, you talk about movies that you either liked or didn't like. And I've got a lot of friends who are like, what was, what's wrong with you, Sarah? That was a really good movie. Ryan Gosling, he's awesome kind of a thing. So it just goes to show you that, I mean, the, the, the movies that people like and don't like uh, very wildly. And just because I don't like something doesn't mean that it wasn't someone else's favorite movie. But this is a, this is a movie that you can instantly stream on Netflix. And this is the kind of thing where it's like, I can't tell you that you'll like it. I'm just not sure. But you can stream <laughs> it instantly. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, you got a couple of hours to kill. It's perfect. Netflix is perfect for that. And if for whatever reason, maybe you put it in your queue, which is how Netflix works. It's like you sign up. Um, yeah which is very easy. And by the way, you can sign up and get a month a month of, of movies for free. So if you're like, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to agree with Sarah and hate all good things, you still won't have to pay anything in order to watch it. You can just, <laughs> that's always good. Yeah, you can get through it in your first month. So um, that's very helpful. And if you, uh, if you want to, I mean, a month of free movies, it's like I'm giving you gold here. It's like, why wouldn't you want to do that? If you do want to awesome. sign up and check out Netflix, um, Amber, by the way, have you seen all good things? I have not seen it. I don't know if you would like it. Um, I don't even know. Well, I won't give it away for anybody who's like now actually very interested. I in want to watch movie. it now, though. See, when someone doesn't like something, it almost attracts you more, Sarah. Yeah, because you want to. You want to either be like, oh, wasn't it awful? Let's talk about the scene we hated the most," or you can be like, "What is your problem? It was really, really good and entertaining. It's a weird movie, I'll tell you that." But uh, yeah, you can try your uh, one month free trial right now, and we want you to go to Netflix.com/slash/twit. That way, the Netflix folks will say, ah, Twit sent you here. We love Twit and our, uh, our match made in heaven as far as sponsorships can continue. Netflix.com slash Twit. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode of The Social Hour. Netflix, you're great. Keep on keeping on. So right. should we should we uh, go into our mailbox and oh you know what before we um, before we go into our emails we actually had gotten a tweet um, Ryan Azawa who's AKA Hawaii on Twitter which is like the greatest Twitter handle ever um, he's got quite a few followers as well and he's really engaged on Twitter um, asked us or at asked Twit um, and the tweet eventually made its way into my stream has namesake. Uh, started spreading oh, yeah. a twit yet. It's like hotcakes out here. And by out here, I assume he means Hawaii. Um, and I, had you heard of namesake, Amber? Uh, you know what? I just got an invite from a friend of mine, Jay, who is really tuned into the whole social media scene and uh, on a business front and personal front. And I thought, okay, I got to watch out for this. And it was so funny when I saw this tweet, I thought, okay, this is just the beginning. So uh, I have heard of it. I don't know a ton about it, but uh, went to their website to check them out and have yet uh, to sign up, but uh, I will give it a whirl. Well, I signed up today. Um, I thought, you know what? 
I want to talk. Uh, I want. I want to uh, let Ryan know if I like this service or not. And I did a little research, and it turns out that namesake. Ooh, Dana just started following me. I bet a lot of you Twit folks know Dana. She is talk about somebody who's engaged online, man. Dana doesn't miss a beat. Um, namesake was um, a TechCrunch disrupt winner of some kind, which I think, which they're, they're doing a TechCrunch disrupt right now in New York. But oh this yeah, was yeah, yeah. Back in September, so I guess it was the San Francisco um, conference. But uh, that's where they got a bunch of um, kind of initial buzz. The idea of it, if I could, I know it's always annoying when people say, it's the Twitter for blah, blah, blah. But this yeah. really does seem to me like a hybrid of Twitter and Quora. Quora, of course, is kind of like the question and answer site where people ask questions and you get a variety of answers. But namesake seems to be more based around um, folks who have certain um, who are who are good at certain things? So, for example, when I when I signed up this morning, it was like, uh, what are some keywords uh, that describe what you're good at? So I wrote, you know, writing, twit, producing, cats, kind of thing. You know, stuff <laughs> that I stuff that I feel like I could I could call myself an expert in type of a thing. And then once I set up my profile, I'll go to my profile right here. Um, once I set up my profile and I I signed in with Facebook, so it just easily pulled this really outdated profile picture from Facebook. Um, and I, yeah, so I, I added in some of my keywords here and then folks could endorse me. So let's say I'm automatically following some folks that I'm friends with on Facebook because I used Facebook Connect when I signed up. Um, and a few people are following me um, already. Uh, Dana and I think the other two are just like the founders where they, they follow you by default because uh, I'm new. But um, I would, you know, add some stuff about what I'm passionate about in my bio area. And then let's say someone like Dana uh, knows me and thinks, oh, you know, I really want to endorse that Sarah is good, you know, at social networking, that kind of a thing. So it's like you almost get community points um, from other namesake users so that when I start um, participating in answering questions based on how good or not good I am at certain things gives me more uh, clout, I guess. Uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so for example, you look at a conversation here. This is someone named RJ um, who just wrote a little like, hello, namesake, I I'm new here kind of a thing. This was 19 minutes ago. So this is all kind of like I'm looking at a real-time stream. And um, th she's gotten 10 comments so far. So it's like, okay, well, what's going on here? Who's this person? What's going, you know, what's, what, what's so special about this? And these are just folks kind of saying like, hi, welcome to namesake kind of a thing. Um, but I also earlier this morning when I was just playing around on the site, um, folks were saying, you know, they were asking about all sorts of things. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just making up this question, but like, hey, if for any social experts out there, what's the best service for me to get the word out about my website kind of a thing? You know, that would be the sort of question that folks on namesake could then be like, I've got a, I've, I've got a really good answer or I've, I just went through this myself kind of thing. And so it's a community effort, um, but it's not, it's, it's not where, uh, you know how Twitter is kind of, you could talk about anything and Twitter's sort of beautiful and all over the place because of that. Yeah. Namesake is much more focused on uh, specific conversation topics. Okay, it's interesting. I actually just uh, pulled a Leo, Sarah, and signed up while you were chatting about it just nice. to see uh, if I could figure out, you know, how, in just uh, a couple of minutes how it works. And uh, it, it sounds interesting. It's a really nice looking site, I will say yeah. that. Just the whole interface is nice. And um, from not really knowing how to use something, it's pretty simple to figure out how to follow people. I mean, if you're used to that behavior on other social sites, it seems like a cinch. Yeah, so, I was we'll I was surprised at how these kinds of sites are like, I mean, 
it's all about the community. I mean, you wouldn't get anything out of namesake if you weren't getting a lot of uh, interesting, relevant, helpful answers to questions that you were posing um, or, you know, or, or, or being able to contribute to, to other folks' um, queries. But I noticed that, I mean, you look at, especially just kind of in the, in the, in the news river on the front, uh, on the front page, there is a lot of engagement. I mean, you know, I'm seeing a lot of comments. I'm seeing a lot of folks participating in conversations. So that gives me a good feeling about the community. It's like, it doesn't have to be the biggest community in the world, as long as it's an active one. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it seems like uh, you, know, you always have a few people who kind of invite you to something like this and then you realize like, okay, it, it possibly has potential. And it's always the, it's the kind of the test of time, right? In two or three months, you're still using it or do you even remember the name? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's, I think this will fall it's into like that talking category. about movies when someone, for, when, when Ryan Ozawa was like, hey, namesake, I, it's big in Hawaii. What does Twit think about it? I was like, namesake, it's not the name of a movie, which it is has nothing to do with the site, but it threw me for a loop for a minute where I was like, ah, I don't know if I've heard of the site or if I'm just confused because it's a word that I've yeah, heard yeah. of before because there are just so many sites. Um, so yeah, so Ryan, uh, I, uh, Amber and I are becoming familiar with Namesake. It definitely has potential, looks cool. Um, you know, gotta, gotta get in there and, and be active for a while to make a better assessment, but First impression seems pretty awesome. Amber, we also got an email from Justin Leon who said, uh, you guys discussed Tumblr back in episode five. I've been a Tumblr user for more than two years, but I feel out of place there in comparison to Twitter and Facebook. A lot of people who use Tumblr are not only younger, Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm not sure how Justin knows this, but he says most of them are in the 14 to 22 age range. Maybe that is a statistic. Um, But they use it as a secretive social network since Twitter and Facebook have made the critical mass. Everyone, including their parents, are using it, and they treat Tumblr as a way to express themselves. Sometimes younger people, Younger people use it in a way uh, to become too revealing. They don't realize what they say or do can hurt them down the road. I just feel a bit out of place there since I'm older and I wanted to let you know you aren't alone. So thanks, Justin. Um, Thank you. I'm not sure if I I think he's referring to me saying, ah, you know, I started following all these people on Tumblr. Yeah. um, And I'm not sure if it's like. So some of them are people that I know and some are just random people and I'm not sure that I'm I'm getting the best experience for myself. Um, no, no one specifically is a bad Tumblr user, but just, you know, it's like it's all kind of what what is what is it's coming in. But I don't think that I've ever felt like Tumblr skewed too young. What about you? It's- I, I don't think so, but it's really funny, uh, you know, his point of how young, a lot of younger people are using it just as more of a private place. I've actually heard that a couple of times before. Uh, so it's interesting to, you see how younger people, when I, I think of kind of teenagers, it's interesting to watch them kind of use social networks and how they'll sort of, you know, go from, jump from one to another and they'll sort of get around any, uh, you know, public facing issues. Like even on Facebook, you know, there was a period when um, a lot of teenagers were using Facebook and they would erase their status updates, you know, a few minutes after they posted it just to kind of not have any tracks or anything like that. So it's fun to watch that age group actually use these networks because they're just so smart and so kind of swift as they kind of move from one to another. So um, yeah, I have heard that before. But even that, I mean, I I didn't realize that people were posting Facebook status updates and then erasing them so that mom and dad don't see. I mean, what if their friends aren't looking right at that moment? Then they won't see it either. I mean, Tumblr is almost less of that type of, I mean, the whole idea is it's, I mean, it's pretty much just blogging. There's just a mm-hmm. nice social network um, element built into Tumblr. And, 
and a little bit more of a focus on shorter format. Um, it's really good for people who don't necessarily want to write a whole novel, but want to be posting and sharing regularly. Um, they also have really nice themes as well. And, and you know, you can embed videos and things like that. It's faster. I mean, it's just, you know, blogging is so cumbersome for anyone who's ever written a blog and you feel like you have to update it on a regular basis. And, you know, people just after a few months, they kind of ignore it. I think Tumblr is just more, much more manageable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like Tumblr a lot. I'm, 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 like I said, I mean, I, I don't use it as much as sometimes I think I should. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I lurk on Tumblr more than I post. Yeah. I post every once in a while, but for the most part, I'm just reading, I'm reading my dashboard. It's, it's like Tumblr's way of saying newsfeed. Um, and sometimes I'm just like, uh, you know, this, I just read a bunch of random stuff. I'm just, I'm kind of over Tumblr for a little while type of a thing, but I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm following anybody who's much younger than me. So, um, it's interesting though. It's interesting why folks say, um, this social network is irking me or somehow I feel like it's not clicking perfectly for me. And here's the specific reason that I have, which isn't always the same reason that you or I would have. So it just goes to show that people like things for, for all sorts of different reasons. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think Tumblr is just great, just the, how instant it is and how simple it is. And um, it's just, it, it makes it uh, just uh, really possible for you to actually keep up to date with a blog without feeling pressure, right? Yeah. To write a ton of content. So uh, this is a really interesting email that we got from uh, about.me slash Tommy C uh, asking a question that Sarah, you probably ask yourself as, as do I. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Flickr and Twitter and Facebook, I also have on my iPhone, pick please, Instagram, Foursquare and color. Is there such a thing as too much social? I like to share my pictures, but not everyone can see my Facebook account. I have friends that use Instagram, uh, but not pick please. Uh, some follow me on Twitter, but not Foursquare. Can having too many social apps be a bad thing? Uh, I think if you were asking this question, it might be <laughs> uh, in the sense that it, sometimes it's just too much to keep up with all them. I have this issue on a regular basis and I've sort of just committed to uh, Twitter and Facebook right now. And those are kind of my my uh, go-to tools and I sort of dabble in everything else. What about you, Sarah? Well, I I agree with you that um, that that if you're starting to feel like there are too many social networks, then you're probably getting burned out by using too yeah. many. By the way, is PickPlease available for iPhone? Because it didn't used to be. I'm not sure. He said on iPhone, he has Pick Please and Instagram. Because I know there's, mm. there are at least for Android folks, a lot of people use Pick Please and complain that Instagram is not available for Android yet. But maybe Pick Please is iPhone uh, capable as well. In which case, I should download that app. Um, I love obviously social networks, so I don't really feel like. Having too many is bad for me, but then we mm. also do this for a living. So it's like, it's not only a hobby, but it's also a job because I yeah. like to to research how people use social networks differently. You know, it's like, what's the general vibe on Facebook? Like you said, Facebook and Twitter, those are my big, my big guns too, mm. but I use them very differently. I mean, they're just not the same. They're not really competitors. I mean, you could argue that they are, but they're just very different services. Um, and I guess, you know, it's, if you have a lot of folks who, who have added you as a friend on pick, please, and you're trying to find a reason why to use something like Instagram, these are both photo sharing, um, app services, then maybe, yeah, maybe you don't need to use Instagram. I mean, maybe it's like, you're just trying to convince yourself that it's something that you should be a part of. And if your heart mm-hmm. isn't into it, then then, you, then you, know, you shouldn't feel pressure to have to join a bunch of services that you're not into. But Amber, I don't know about you. Uh, I notice more and more that 
I almost don't pay that much attention to the way that I'm sharing with people. I mean, I have so many friends on so many different networks that it's like, as long as I just get the message across to somebody, it's like, I don't know, he's even, you know, it's like, did I just SMS somebody or did I send them a message on Beluga? As long as they got it, it's fine. You know, especially in the world of apps. It's almost like the situation right now, it's sort of like the right tool for the right job, right? And there's certain things like, you know, sometimes I know that a photo that I'm taking really isn't that great of a photo and I'm keen to use Instagram to add filters to make it look better. (laughs) And so that's how I use a lot of those tools. It just depends on, um, you know, kind of the purpose of uh, what I'm trying to get across. I have recently, um, I used to, I still do push everything from Twitter to Facebook when I'm posting, but recently I've started to do just posts that will be just for kind of the Facebook community. And the reason I've done that is people have complained just about, um, you know, like we talked about before, just some of the language that Twitter uses, some of the at signs and all the symbols, it just doesn't translate on Facebook. So <clears throat> I do recognize that that is a different community. So uh, I'm, I'm trying, you know, my best to kind of do different things in different communities. But I agree with you, depending on what you're trying to get across, just whatever tool is sort of best. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so um, what was his name? His name was Thomas. So Thomas... I think you're the only one who can really answer this for yourself. If you if you feel like there's just too many social networks and it's not fun or useful mm-hmm. or, or a combination of the two, then yeah, I mean, maybe cut out the stuff that you don't need. Um, because really, I mean, it's it's like you got to be getting something out of it. Um, and I do, I agree that um, Thomas did mention color as something where he's like, what is the point of this? Thomas, you're yeah. not alone. Um, so a lot of folks, uh, even people who are in the 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 tech scene, um, as we are, are asking me on a regular basis, are you still using color? Is anyone yeah, using exactly. color? People are, people definitely are, but it is, it's, it seems to, um, to confuse uh, some folks. Uh, before we get to our rad or fad segment, want to remind everybody that you can, you can get a hold of us. We're social folks. We want to hear from you. Um, we want this to be a conversation. You can get a hold of us a variety of different ways. You can email us at thesocialhour at twit.tv. TSH at twit.tv will get to us as well. So, you know, whether or not you're into brevity, we don't care. You can leave us a voicemail. 2626social is the number. It's Google voice number. Um, It'll, it'll be free if, from some small town somewhere. I'm not exactly sure uh, what that number turns into. But again, 2626-S-O-C-I-A-L. Um, or you can record a video. Um, we got a couple of videos actually over the last week. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I know. They were, um, one ended up not playing for me. I'm not really sure why. I'll have to go back and see if mm. maybe we can uh, we can get that video working for next week. Um, and one was really long. So just keep in mind that we try to keep the show to an hour, obviously, the social hour. So something that's like 30 seconds is a really good magic time. 30 seconds or less. Um, question, comment, anything like that. Um, it's great to hear from you. Great to see you. And we just really appreciate um, all the good feedback that we're getting so far. And Amber picked her Ratter Fad segment this week. But before we get to that, just want to quickly thank Audible.com. They're our third sponsor. I had to actually look at my fingers to see if I was holding up three (laughs) fingers. Audible.com. If you're not familiar with them, they are the provider of audiobooks with over 75,000 titles. Literature. Fiction, nonfiction, even some periodicals. Um, Audible has, they have so much content, it is unbelievable. And if you're, if you're not really familiar with Audible, um, what's really cool is that if you sign up now, you get your first audiobook free. So it's like, I mean, it's like going into the library, but 
You don't ever have to bring the book back. It's just yours. Um, and audiobooks are great uh, because they give you a different experience than reading. It's, it's not necessarily better or worse. It's just different. Um, there are so many instances where we're on the go, we're busy folks, and you don't necessarily have time to sit and read a book or a Kindle or, or anything of that. But if you had to make dinner or if you were at the gym or you were commuting, you could be listening to a book being read to you, which is a really cool experience, Um, kind of engages your imagination in different ways. Um, You could be doing that while getting other stuff done that you have to do anyway. For example, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey, which I still haven't listened to, but I have heard it is awesome, especially as an audiobook because Tina Fey narrates it. So that's, That's it's not just anybody reading the book to you, it's Tina. So if you're a fan, um, it's good stuff. Uh, Even just uh, going into Audible and looking at the cover art for that book, which I haven't paid attention to that before, but uh, it's very disturbing. (laughs) I've heard great things about the book before, but as you can see, it's her with the man arms. With man hands. Oh my gosh, I never noticed that before. Yeah. Here, let me zoom in for our video folks. Oh, that is gross. Oh, that's yeah. awful. Why is it like that? It's just it's wrong. It's just Tina, right? Oh, She's just being funny. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's intriguing, right? So it's a good pick uh, for this week because uh, once you see that on audible.com, you'll be, uh, uh, you'll just have to take a listen because you'll be wondering what she is talking about and why she has a black top hat on and um, man arms. Exactly. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, Audible is a truly, I mean, go to Audible. Um, just start, um, tr- try to stump them. You know, I mean, try to enter a book that they don't have. I mean, you could probably do that if you really tried, but they've got everything. Um, And a variety of folks, you know, they work with uh, certain people who are just, they really Mm. read books in a beautiful way. So you start seeing narrators. Um, Leo has his favorite narrators um, that he gets really excited about where he's like, oh, I love this guy. Now I want to, I really want to buy this book. Um, But if you, again, if you're just like, well, maybe, maybe this is a good thing for me. I'll try it out. Get a free book and then, and, and see if you like Audible. And if you do, um, then it's the service for you. Audiblepodcast.com slash social hour is the way to get that free book and let them know that you came through us. Again, audiblepodcast.com slash social hour. And we thank Audible for being our sponsor. Um, I'm going to buy this book, Bossy Pants. While I'm doing that, well, actually, I can't really do that and do the show at the same time. But Amber, what is our <laughs> rad or fad segment today? Okay, so uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a service called Visibly. Uh, they have now launched, uh, it's kind of like a, an, an app, uh, although you can use it online as well, called Sneak Peek that allows you to really measure Twitter influence. So basically, when you go to Sneak Peek, uh, and this is a light version, you can put anyone's Twitter name into the blank search box. You click on Go, then it will load up this graph so you can see some of the most popular tweets, how many people have retweeted them and shared their information, uh, and a bunch of other stats to basically determine influence. Now, you're limited to the amount of information that you can see without signing up. Once you do sign up, uh, then you have the option to get more information, I think even kind of some real-time uh, stats as well. So it's kind of a uh, an interesting service. The reason that I put it in RAD or FAD is because it reminds me a lot of clout. Um, if you're familiar with clout and everybody has their kind of their clout st- score and trying to determine influence. Mm-hmm. And I just... I just feel sometimes with clout, it just, not that it drives me crazy, but I, I feel like it's not necessary. It what does it mean? You know, like my clout score, score I, don't, I haven't even looked forever, but let's say it's in the 60s or something like that. And someone else is in like the 70s. And I, I don't know, like measuring influence like this, it just seems weird to me because uh, I feel like 
the reason you would want to measure influence is if you're a brand and you want to hire someone maybe to do some blogging or something for you. But really, their influence isn't just how many times they've been retweeted, but maybe how prominent they are in a specific community, right? Yeah. And you, you, it's hard to measure that kind of stuff. So I just hope that people don't just use these things to determine, you know, the usefulness of, of you know, access to someone on Twitter and other sites. <laughs> I, I agree that it, it can sometimes be a little bit dangerous to look at statistics and be like, wow, this tweet really spiked as far as, you know, again, like click through rates or, or people being hmm. engaged and and that influencing you in a way that makes you that motivates you to say things a certain way or to share certain things because you get more out of it rather than being yourself. I think, yeah. you know, some people are more susceptible to that than others. And again, I mean, if you're tweeting um, for business purposes, then these are the sorts of stats that would really be helpful to you. I mean, I just uh, added in my username. And yeah, you're right, Amber. I can look at my two week, but if I wanted to see real time results or um, or tweet uh, information over 30 days, I would have to register. But they kind of just give us the 14 days just to get an idea mm-hmm. of how it works. And the two tweets that are coming up on the radar. One is from May 11th when I uh, I sent a note to Patrick Norton because I saw this t-shirt uh, that on Etsy that I thought he would get a kick out of. Uh, a lot of people clicked on that. And then yesterday... I uh, soundtracked a song um, by Bjork, which is funny because I know a bunch of people who are stuck in Iceland right now. So I, I was like, oh, it's oh, a Bjork okay. song at the wine bar. Ha, ha, ha. How funny. Um, and 340 people clicked on it. So, I mean, not that many. But mm. I'm sort of like a little perplexed. Those certainly weren't the two tweets that I necessarily thought were the most important. But that's what's showing up here. So it's like, yeah. what is it? Does it matter? I mean, it's it's interesting information, but it doesn't really make me change any of my habits. And I'm not sure that the information I got is really helpful because I don't feel like I was taught anything. Yeah. And I think, I guess that's the thing. It's like, I I would almost put this in the fad category. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at first it seems kind of rad, like, oh, isn't it neat? You can go in and find people's influence, but it's just not accurate. Like, like you said, you know, you tweeted to a friend about a t-shirt. Is that, does that make you really more influential for a certain company? Like if it's not relevant, it's not relevant, right? I mean, if anything, that was almost like a really good example of a tweet that was meant for one person. Mm -hmm. And I think, I thought of this because I was just uh, reading a magazine or article recently about a friend of mine who was profiled in this magazine in Canada and they talked about her clout score and then they compared her to me and said, you know, basically she's hovering around the same clout score as Amber MacArthur. And I was like, are we in high school? Like it just, it felt so, I don't know. There's something about it that I think is very faddish. So yeah, I think the the competition factor of of stuff like uh, visibly, which is V I S I B L I, um, so it's visibly, but but spelled um, in different way. I think the competition. Some people just like that sort of thing. You know, they, it, yeah. it helps drive them, keep them interested, and it's kind of a game. And you know, I know a lot of people who 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 kind of get off on this type of a thing. Um, what you were describing to me, sort of being compared to someone else based on social network uh, radar, yeah. sometimes makes me feel uncomfortable. I mean, we all want to be successful and, and to be putting out stuff that people are interested sure. in and that kind of thing. But I think for the most part, you start getting away from 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 really what's useful about social networking. Yeah. When you worry too much about uh, who you may have reached I mean, if you've reached a lot of folks, you'll probably get the feedback that you tweeted about initially anyway. Um, And I don't know if if knowing that a lot of people clicked on um, 
the t-shirt that I shared with Patrick Norton. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad they did, but if no one clicked on it, as long as he did, that was all I really cared about. Yeah. So basically just, you know, I would say my advice to people would just be that take these things kind of with a grain of salt. You know, it's good to kind of gauge if you are in business and you, you want to figure out if someone has some influence, if people are listening to them. But, you know, just I, there's other stuff that I think you should look at as well. Right. So um, and, you know, Twitter is a great community, but there are other social networks and people have plenty of influence on, uh, you know, beyond uh, the Twitters of the world. So what do you think? Is it is it rad or is it fad? I think it's a fad. I think this whole thing of like clout and, and uh, you know, measuring influence like this, I think it's a very difficult thing to do. And I think we still have to use common sense at the end of the day. So I think it's very faddish. Yeah, me too. Uh, no problem with it. But it's like, I think stuff like this um, will probably wane in popularity once people mm. realize that it's like those metrics aren't necessarily a measure of doing well um yeah. you know and and we've talked about uh some really good examples of why well exactly. visibly you're a fad but you know your side is nice and it's kind of yeah. interesting you know it's worth, it's worth checking you know, out exactly and there's some stats that are are useful i just think you know i wouldn't just depend entirely on that well amber we've come to the end of the social hour i think we i think we kept it to about an hour so we're getting we're getting I better know. at this I can't believe it. It's awesome. Yeah. So a uh, good solid hour, Sarah, it goes to show you there's a lot to talk about. And uh, I think on our next show, uh, just to tease it a little bit, we're going to have a woman who has created a documentary all about Twitter uh, join us from Asia. So that should be kind of fun to uh, tune into that. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to ask her, why would you want to do a documentary about Twitter? Uh, it, but yeah, I mean, she's uh, she sounds like a really interesting woman. So we'll get we'll get the behind the scenes story of why she decided to dedicate so much time and effort to this project. Project and got a lot of people to participate too. Yep, she um, sure did. But we'll talk about that more. And by the way, we're shooting that show this Friday, this coming Friday, rather than next Monday, when we usually uh, shoot the show for anybody who wants to join us live. That's because, at least in the US, it's Memorial Day next Monday and the Twit offices will be closed. Nobody will be here. So um, some of our shows will just be dark that Monday, but we wanted to um, not be dark on the social hour. So we'll be taping that show on Friday at noon Pacific, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. So, so you, you're starting you to se- yeah, you're starting to celebrate Memorial Day. What, I can't imagine a better way than watching us uh, live that afternoon. Absolutely, kick off the long weekend with us. All right, Amber, take care. See you on Friday, everybody else. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on the Social Hour. See you later. Bye.